2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. He would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. And he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. And we've begun this little series, this little really devotional series on Wednesdays concerning David's sin and his confession. And we've come to not only understanding the time frame of all this, which was probably 10 months, around 10 months, plus or minus. We've seen some of the anguish of David's own soul. And we've really seen the hideousness of what David did. What I want to talk about tonight is the transgressions of King David. The transgressions of King David. Now... Before we know any particular transgressions, we need to understand something from the book of James. So I want us to turn to James chapter 2. And I want to read verses 10 and 11. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. One of the things that human beings fail to understand is that to violate one commandment of God is to transgress the whole thing. Now, I want us to think about that just for a moment. If we really did understand that, there would be no foolish talk of my good deeds outweighing my bad deeds. He says here in verse 9, excuse me, verse 10, he says, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles in what? one point. And the reason for that is, is because you're not just transgressing a law. You are transgressing against the one who gave the law. 
Now, think, think about that just for a second. He says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Now look at verse 11. For he who said... Who's the he? Well, that's God, right? He who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of how much of the law? The whole law. Why? Because you're not just transgressing a law, you're transgressing the one who gave the law. Or the lawgiver. If I was going to put it in modern day terms, when you break the speed limit, you're not just breaking the law against speeding, you've actually sinned against the state who made the law. Now hardly ever do people think that way. We think, well, I, bro- I kept 99. I just broke one. Now you broke two, so I'm better than you are. But both of you transgress against the whole law. You transgress against the one who gave the law. The law is not, as it were, eternal. God is eternal, and God is the one who gave us the law. So when David sinned, he sinned against the whole law, and he sinned against the lawgiver, God himself, who gave the law. The law is like a fence. If I jump over it down here, I've jumped over the whole law, right? Doesn't matter whether I jump here, or I jump here, or I jump here. I, I sin against the whole law. I sin against the lawgiver because he gave the law as a whole. And we looked at that fact when we were talking about <clears throat> Paul's relationship with the Mosaic Law in the New Testament. So when we're looking at the transgressions of David, we, we understand that <clears throat> even though I'm only going to bring out three major categories, there are other categories in which David sinned against the Lord. <clears throat> Someone asked me uh, a week or so ago, it might have been two weeks now, um, when God said concerning David that he was a perfect man, he was a man after God's own heart, what does that mean? I said, well, whatever your understanding is, it can't mean that David was sinless. And I asked this person, I said, did you ever notice when you're reading through there how many times David lied? It was more than one. So he's meaning something other than sinlessness there. Now secondly, when we're talking about the transgressions of King David, I want to bring up something else that you may not have thought of. This transgression against the Lord was very, very serious. And I'll tell you why it's serious. Because it put the whole future Davidic covenant in question. The Messiah was going to come through David. Seed, right? Now later on, 
I think it's 2 Samuel 17 maybe, he's going to actually say this to David. David, you're not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build you a house through a seed that's going to come after you. That is Christ. If David transgress and the soul that sins shall die, there is the danger, right, that that line, that genealogical line to the Messiah stops right there. And you'll find through the history, there's a little thread through the Old Testament that Satan keeps attacking that genealogical line. He's trying to prevent the Messiah from being born. So this is very, very serious. It's serious for David because it was a serious and grave sin that he did. But it was serious beyond that because there is this threat against that future Davidic covenant that would be brought into question, if not a stop, if David himself dies. That really is a crisis, isn't it, when you look at it this way? What was David's transgressions? Number one. David's transgression was willful. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. It wasn't in ignorance, was it? He, he didn't commit an error and find out later, whoops, I made a mistake. And if you look in Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 17, it's very important you follow this. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Under the Mosaic Law, sins of ignorance could be atoned for. But willful sins, sins that were done with a high hand, could not be atoned for. Did David sin with a high hand? He did. And in Deuteronomy 17 and verse 12, it says, The man who acts presumptuously by not listening to the priest who stands there to serve the Lord your God, nor to the judge, that man shall... What? Die. Deuteronomy 17 verse 12. Does everybody read what that says? A man who acts presumptuously, that that is with a high hand, by not listening to the priest who stands there to serve the Lord your God, or he doesn't listen to the judge, that man shall shall die. So what we know here in the first category is this. Willful sins, sins that were not done in ignorance, There was no provision for atonement 
in the Mosaic Law. That is, there was no forgiveness and restoration to the nation or to the Lord. Does everybody see that? And every time I read these things, I I think about willful sins. Have you ever committed a willful sin? Under the Mosaic Law, David's transgression was willful. It was not in ignorance. There's no provision for atonement. He is to die. Secondly, I think we all would agree that David committed adultery. David's transgression of adultery under the Mosaic Law was punishable by death. And I want you to turn to Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus chapter 20. And look at verse 10. If there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put where? To death. Does everybody see that? Willful sins had no provision for atonement. That is, no provision for forgiveness or restoration. Adultery had no provision for atonement. There was no provision for forgiveness or restoration. Boy, if our nation was under the Mosaic Law, <clears throat> and folks, I think I think that we 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 don't recognize the gravity of David's situation. Those are not disputable commandments. Those commandments are not subject to differing interpretations. That is clear. Would you say Leviticus 20.10 is very clear? It is clear. So David's transgression was willful. It was not in ignorance. No provision for forgiveness and restoration. David's transgression of adultery, punishable by death. No provision for forgiveness and restoration. Now I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 19. 
Deuteronomy chapter 19. A willful sin, a sin of adultery. Thirdly, David's transgression of murder was punishable by death. There was no provision for forgiveness and restoration. In Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 11, But if there is a man who hates his neighbor and lies in wait for him and rises up against him and strikes him so that he dies, and he flees to one of these cities, this is the cities of refuge, then the elders of his city shall sin and take him from there and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Look at verse 13. You shall not pity him, but you shall purge the blood of the innocent from Israel that it may go well with you. Everybody see that? David is in a world of trouble. As we go back to 2 Samuel, folks, this isn't the only sins, but those are three major sins. The willful sin, the sin of adultery, the sin of murder, all, all those are very clear. I don't think anybody, any commentator says, well, <clears throat> David was kind of tricked into doing this. It was very much a deliberate thing. The adultery may have been mildly spontaneous, but the murder was definitely deliberate. Other transgressions that he did, David stole. In 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 4, He was unwilling to take from his own flock or his herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Folks, that's one of the things about adultery. You're stealing another man's stewardship. Right? David stole Uriah's wife. And David understood that. He understood it from the parable that Nathan had given to him. Why? Because in verse 5 and 6, he says so. He says, David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said, as the Lord lives, surely the man who's done this deserves to die. And then he gives the law of restitution for thievery. He says, he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold. So did David know the law? He did know the law. And folks, the king, in many, many, many cases, he was the ultimate, he was the supreme court of the land too. 
In 2 Samuel 12 and verse 6, David lacked compassion. David said he did this thing and had no compassion. Now I'll let you just meditate on how that works itself out in stealing another man's wife. David's heart was lifted up in pride. In 2 Samuel 12, verse 7, note what Nathan says after he says, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now I'm going to emphasize, it is I who anointed you king over Israel. It is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things than these. Folks, who gave all this? Why is God telling David that? Because he forgot who gifted all this to him. And folks, you forget the gift giver when your heart is lifted up in pride. You think you did it. Does everybody see that? David's a mess. David is a mess right now. And not only that, but if you look in 2 Samuel chapter 2, in chapter 12 and verse 9, you will find that Nathan says, Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? The word despise fundamentally means to reject. David rejected the word of God. There's there's a lot going on in David's heart, isn't there? Not only would I not have wanted to commit any of these sins, (laughs) but I definitely wouldn't have wanted to stand there watching and listening to Nathan the prophet point his finger at him and say, you're the man, and then start giving this explanation. Can you feel guilt coming upon this man? Would it come on you? And then to top it all off, David used the sword of Gentiles to murder Uriah. He used pagan sword to kill one of his mighty men, a man who was loyal to him. And of course, when you read the account, and this man's not even going to go down to his house because of his loyalty to the Lord, to the nation, to King David, to the armies of Israel. And Nathan says this, 2 Samuel 12 and verse 9, You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. That's the murder. 
You have taken his wife to be your wife. That's the stealing. And you have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. And folks, I want to remind you that it's, remember, you break one, you broke the whole thing. It's never just one sin when a person commits a sin like this. And then David, David's transgression provided an opportunity to the known world in his day to multiply their sin against God. It says in verse 14, However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. To blaspheme is to talk contrary to God. Now folks, just think about that. God's people are not here to provoke lost people to sin more. Which is what happened. And folks, you you can imagine. Can you imagine the conversations? Can you imagine the gossip? And not only this, but David transgressed against the nation of Israel. He brought the whole nation under reproach. He sinned against Uriah. He murdered him. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against their families. Folks, if Bathsheba's mother was living, she lost her daughter. Right? Uriah had a dad. Lost his son. This was very, very, very grave. And folks, the Bible says that when you commit adultery, Proverbs 6, verse 32 and 33 Listen to what it says. Listen carefully. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself commits adultery. Did you hear that? David sinned against his own body. Wounds and disgrace he will find and his reproach will not be blotted out. The wisdom of Solomon. Now I want to ask you a question. 
Did David deserve to die? Did he die? Why? Folks, the law said he shall die. Isn't that what the law said? The law said you shall not pity him. You are to remove this. From the nation. Take this blot out of the nation. Did he not die because, you know, he was the king? How is it, 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. What do you think about that? What did the law say? Must die. Was that clear to you when we read the passage? Would the citizenry of, of Israel in that day understood that? Did David have more good deeds over his bad deeds? How could David say this? <clears throat> Psalm 32. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. There was no atonement under the law. <clears throat> How could David say this? I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I shall confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. How could he write something like that? Is he writing it like I'm a special exemption? <laughs> I would gather that there were those in that nation that thought he thought that. How could David pray this against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight? Is there no Bathsheba here who lost a husband? Is there, are there no family members that lost a son or a daughter? What's going on here? Because you didn't say it, but everybody's nodding in the head. You said, I read, he deserved to die. We read, no provision for atonement. 
He didn't say, now you shall die unless you bring a turtle dove. Execution. He did sin against the Lord, didn't He? The Lord was the one who gave the law. And David understood that. Folks, David had no out. There was no wiggle room to get out from underneath this. All he could do is one thing. Cast his soul on the Lord and plead for mercy. That, that is his only out. And folks, I want to remind you that God could not forgive him unless someone took his sin. That sin of David had to be paid for. Under the law, there was no payment. There was no bull or goat. The blood that was to be shed was His. And yet Nathan said, the Lord also has taken away your sin. In other words, that wasn't the first time the Lord had taken away His sin. You shall not die. Do you think this was a serious thing? And folks, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every human being on the face of this earth. There's none righteous. Not even believers in and of themselves. Is there any way out? You must go to the one who gave the law and plead for mercy. Right? Because David understood this. When the child died, and in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 21, <clears throat> Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And David said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, this is what he said in his heart, 
who knows? The Lord may be gracious. Did you read that? Because the Lord was gracious to David. Folks, David knew that he deserved to die. He said so after Nathan gave the parable. Why did he not die? The law said that he was to die. Because God took away his sin. You say, yippee! Free! No, it cost the blood of Christ to cover the sins of the past and the sins of those in the future so that God may be just and the justifier of them who believe in Christ. Does everybody see that? Now, it's not going to take away His reproach. It's not going to take away the ramifications of His transgression. Because if you read through the Psalms, you'll find out that David mentions many times the aha moments that his enemies had against him. In other words, folks, his enemies had the law on their side. Right? When David's fleeing from Absalom, there were people who were knew, who knew that's what God said was going to happen. You deserve this. You deserve to die. What did David do? He turned to the Lord. And folks, even as believers, if all we had was our transgressions, we deserve to die. If all we got was a blank slate when we got saved. God just came down, wiped away all your sins, said, okay, those are forgiven. Now don't sin anymore. No, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not record sin against. Amen? And I just read, read you that psalm that's quoted in Romans chapter 4. The transgression of David was grave, but where sin abound, Grace did much more abound. But don't ever think it didn't cost something. It cost the blood of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we'll say, salvation's free. And I know what they mean by that. What they mean is, I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to atone. I don't have to do this or do that. And I agree with that. But it's not free. It cost God's only begotten Son at Calvary.
Let's pray together.